The FDA allows this bullshit to go on. And when the dam breaks and people are let out of their homes, I think the guy who runs it, this Marcus Lemonis character, I think he's gonna kick ass and take names. I have a long memory and I stay on my game. No one has done their job, no one. You know how personally I take this. I want nothing to do with Elon Musk. He's a waste of my time, you dirty old man. Even though the world finds itself in various states of lockdown, the wheels of the global economic machine continue to turn, albeit at an ever-slowing rate. In this series of conversations, I'm joined by some of the best and brightest minds it's been my pleasure to befriend over the last 35 years to try and gain some insight as to what we can expect the coming months to bring. Will equity and bond markets bounce back? Does a blizzard of multi-trillion dollar stimulus packages mean that central banks have finally reached the end of the road? And if so, what happens next? Is the world facing an even greater depression? Or is a return to the inflationary spiral our likely future? From markets to mortgages, from policy to politics and everything in between, please join me for the 2020 Humanar series. My fourth conversation takes us to Alder Lane Farm in Sonoma County, California, home of my good friend Mark Cahodes. Mark is a straight-shooting, no-nonsense, fight-picking short seller with a storied career. He also speaks truth to power, fights for justice in a crooked market, and will never back down from a fight when the cause is true. He's also a chicken farmer, makes the best rum punch west of the Mississippi, and is the kind of friend you absolutely know you can count on when the chips are down. So please welcome my friend Mark Cahodes. I'm here, Grant. How's it going? Here, I got to hit my start my video. Yeah, we need to see that face of yours. There we go. Well, Hi, I, you have your friend with you. I have my special guest. I have Parker Petit in bronze. He's always with me. I chat with him every morning when I wake up, but he's virus sensitive, so I have his little mask on to make sure he doesn't give me uh, the Cordoba virus or whatever that thing is called. So, Parker... <laughs> It's great that you're with me. I cannot wait till you go to prison and I bake you a lemon cake with the lemons I grow because you are just a no good, undesirable motherfucker. But he had to be here with us, Grant, because I think the next time we do something, he'll probably be in prison. So, well, you know, it's, it's, it's actually the perfect place to start, right? Because there are a load of people who <clears throat> want an update on the biomedic story. It's something that people have followed. You and I first uh, kind of spoke about this. You spoke about it at Jim's conference, I guess, in late 2017, October 2017. Yeah. yeah. I sat down and, and spoke about it in detail in uh, January 2018. Um, and we revisited it about a year later, I think it was. I, I came out and, and, and hung out with you and Aurora. So, so where are we now? Because the stock's still trading. Stuff's still going on. People still seem to believe that everything you said is nonsense, despite the evidence of the country. What's the latest? Well, the latest is yesterday they settled with the DOJ on the uh, ripping off the Veteran Affairs Department. Two whistleblowers who my friend Parker criticized, Jess Kurchowski and Luke Tornquist, ended up getting a $1.8 million reward for being whistleblowers in this matter. So that's the latest. And it really was a, a good day yesterday to read this and see it. Some people would say that the penalty in dollars was small. It was because my medics is flat broke. So they, they have nothing to pay anyway. But what it does is it sends a message that these two brave men who I look up to, who I do not know business-wise, but I know of them, they put it all on the line to expose my medics' scheme to ripping off veterans price fixing, price gouging, bad medicine to the, to the vets. And where I felt really good last night is, one, these guys are going to split $1.8 million. Two, their mimetics' bad behavior was exposed and charged criminally where they settled with the DOJ, which should shut up Joe Nocera, more on him later. But 
Parker tried to destroy whistleblowers, much like our president tries to destroy and discredit whistleblowers. And he was doing a great job of it till I showed up. And I showed up not because I wanted to, because I was dragged into this mess. And at the end of the day, from hearing from a bunch of these people, I was sort of the shield for these guys so their lives would not be destroyed any more than they were. The Mary Armstrongs, the Tom Tierneys, the Robin Scotts, the Mike Fox, Tornquist, Kurchowski, the late Avi Carter, who, who ended up taking her own life because of this. And the behavior at my medics was so and is so despicable, it needs to be stopped and exposed even more than it has been because the bad behavior is ongoing. And after you and I did the last mimetics shot with Aurora and talking about the FBI, you said, why are you still short the stock? Your message would be better if you weren't short the stock and just did it. So I yeah. agreed with you. I covered my stock except for a small amount, which I have to be there. My lawyer has restricted me from shorting more because I think I have uh, the fatal goods on these people. But I kept going with the message to end the game. Too many people in this world start something, but they don't finish it. I started the Mimetics game. I pitched the Mimetics game. I won the Mimetics game, but I am going to finish the Mimetics game. I believe in finishing what you start, and I will finish this thing off. And we're getting very close. They're flat broke. Um, I hear from very uh, reliable sources that their lender wants to pull the loan. They're probably violating covenants. Businesses through the floorboards. Last year, if you pro forma the made up numbers they talk about, they were at a 250 to 260 million run rate. I think they're sub 150 right now. I think they're hemorrhaging cash. I think they're losing money. I think the new management has no clue. And the bad behavior that Parker, my friend, started, you dirty old man, I think is still ongoing. It is still ongoing. Well, and let, me, let, me, let me ask you, what, just, just as a matter of course for these things, what does it take to kill these things? Because it seems as though indictments and settlements, all this stuff has happened. The stock's still trading. Um, in your experience, what is what is the silver bullet that finally puts this thing into the ground? You well, you know, that that's an ex that's a really great question. And I was talking with a friend uh, overseas the other day about this. And the only person or outfit that's really done their job, other than Gretchen when she was with the journal, and Anders and Farrell and Winnie at Bloomberg, the only people to really do their job was NASDAQ in delisting this. The FDA allows this bullshit to go on. They have more 483s. The SEC just slapped them on the wrist to get their win. The DOJ is taking their time. They're doing things. Uh, the VA has covered up for Isaacson. The FBI is going to have some, some significant issues with me uh, going forward. Everyone, no one has done their job. No one. And, and if you overlay that to what's going on in the government, the president and, and this virus work, everyone's dropped the ball. Every, no one, everyone has been let down by regulators who are paid to enforce laws and, and, to, do, and to uphold the rule of law. And it's horrifically disappointing because they will run out of money. It's a zombie company. Their business is terrible. They have no IP. They, they, they give the middle finger to everybody. And, and you have stock promoters in this thing actually, actually believing that Mimetics is something, but it's not. So what kills it? I used to, uh, I was friends with a guy back in the 80s and 90s, and his firm was trying to take over a crappy business called Child World, which was a competitor with Toys R Us. And, and his firm worked with Roy Disney, and they were trying to take this company over at 14. And I explained to him what a fraud it was. 
they eventually dropped the bid and the stock traded down to one. So one day, the stock traded up to two and a half on the story that Disney was going to come back and buy it at four. So I call him up. I said, what's, what's going on? And he said, Mark, I can't comment on it, but people would pay $3 just to see two rats fuck. And my medics right now is at three. And anyone who buys this stock or owns this stock at three, it's essentially a ticket to watch two rats fuck because that's all this thing is worth. It's not worth anything. So we're in a crazy environment. We're in a crazy market. Everyone says, so what? They settled this. They settled that. You know, I, I'm, I'm playing for zero or pennies or to how this thing ends. But, but bottom line is no one does their job anymore. No one does their job. I'm all for light regulation, but whatever regulation is out there, people need to enforce it. And, and, and that's a huge issue of what's going on. Well, you, you talked about the crazy environment, which is which is a, a, a great segue for me because obviously we are in this crazy environment. And here's, last here's time the wrong punch for you, Grant. Yes, yeah, I got water. Look, look at this. I'm, I'm way behind. Um, the last time we met, you talked about how the fact that this was it. This was your last rodeo, the, the biomedics thing. Once it's done, yeah. you're out of the game. And here we find ourselves in the kind of territory that for you must be the kind of thing you think, you know, there's going to be some really interesting stuff going on. And we're about to find out, as Warren Buffett famously said, who's swimming naked because the tide feels like it's going out. Have yeah. you changed your opinion on that? When you look at the markets, do you, do you see a new wave of frauds that are going to be exposed by this? No, I'm still involved. You know, I have, I invest for myself and my son. My wife's so jittery, I can't invest for her. Otherwise, I'd sleep less than I currently do. Well, there are a ton of frauds involved. There's a ton of tides going out. But, but one of the things I find interesting, I'm going to leave frauds alone because I think the frauds will surface in body bags because the government won't find them. Uh, this kind of environment tends to produce frauds surfacing to the top. The thing that's the most troubling that needs to be exposed right now are all these billionaires begging for bailouts billionaires begging bailouts. Let's call it the three Bs, the BBB. You can throw Blackstone in there. You can throw those clowns at Apollo in there. You can throw them all in there. These guys should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. Their marks are fictitious. Their leverage is insane, beyond insane. And they're constantly begging. They, they brag that they have all this dry powder, but if you have dry powder, put it to work. I mean, I can't stand a guy named Tillman Fertitta. I can't stand him. I was short Landry's when it was public. This guy is leverage on top of leverage on top of leverage with Jeffries. He's in the worst places. He owns casinos, high-end, low-end, mid-range restaurants, destinations, hotels, the whole thing. But this guy at least mans up when he needs money, and he's trying to float another piece of junk debt at 15%. And my hat's off to him. And I can't stand him, but he has my respect because instead of asking for a bailout, he's doing it the old-fashioned way and working with the markets, as opposed to these private equity guys and the sissy-ass, these sissy guys from Apollo floating their stories to the Times, the Post, MSNBC, begging the government for bailouts. Guys, you bought all this shit. You bought all this shit for debt. Work it out. If you can't work it out and play it the right way, that's what the bankruptcy laws are for. Because it sickens me, sickens me, that people are waiting in four-hour lines at food banks, people who are just laid off, white collar, blue collar, any collar, pink collar, for food when these billionaires are begging the government for bailouts. They should raise money either through equity or even more debt, right? And quit their bitching because they built it. They have the so-called dry powder, use it. So I think in this debt bubble, Corona was or is the pin for this overuse of excessive leverage, whether it's private equity, which I think is the made off of this cycle. I think they're all just hucksters. 
complete and other full of shit guys. Private equity, leveraged ETFs, three times ETFs, over leveraged hedge funds. All these guys should and need to fail because in this world, they don't bail out Joe Sixpack. They don't bail out the guy who watches these clowns on CNBC taking their stupid advice, listening to the likes of Kevin O'Leary. They don't bail out the common man. They bail out these guys who have influence and have money. And it needs to stop because it should have stopped in 08 and 09 and they created these zombies. And now they're super zombies. And, and I have no problem with the government printing money and helping the unemployed or small business or this, that, and the other. But they need to direct it at the people who need it, not billionaires and not pigs at the trough and not Wall Street guys. And, and listen to the common man, not the guys who've paid for influence over the years. So I think the frauds, you know, this is a long way of answering your question. I think the frauds are going to take care of themselves because this is a time where that makes it very hard to operate frauds because the market's not yeah. so strong. Yeah. But I think these over-leveraged guys, attention needs to be paid by the mainstream media at exposing Apollo, Blackstone, Carlisle, TPG, all these guys, because they've ripped off pension plans, endowments, they've laid off workers, they've stripped out the healthcare system, and I'm just fucking sick of it. I'm sick of listening how smart these guys are when they're not. I'm sick of listening about all their influence. I'm sick of reading how much money they have and what the hell have they done for society? They've done, they've done no good. They've done nothing, nothing. Well, let, so, let, me, let, let, me, let me ask you, there's a lot of people watching this who, um, you know, this is the perfect environment for a short sale. It's a perfect environment to be short if you know yeah. what you're doing. So yeah. just, just give us a little flavor of, how you would play this current thing. If you were actively back in the markets again as a short seller, how do you play this on the short side? How do people do this without getting their face ripped off in all these rallies? What are the lessons you can impart that, upon that, people? That's, that's really a good question. So I'm an experienced guy. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 60 in June, which puts me in the high-risk category for the Cordova virus, which is why I have Pete with the mask on. Right? I, I, I don't want you to give me something, even though you want me to, Parker. So what I try to do very simply is I think. <clears throat> I don't watch TV. I would never listen to the buffoons on the Cartoon Network. I think. And we're clearly heading for a recession. I'm not an economist. I'm not a macro guy. But let's just say we're going to have a stiff slowdown. So something that I am short, and it's not a fraud, and they're probably legitimate guys who run it, and I've run the numbers, and I encourage everyone to do their work for themselves. Anything I say, don't troll me going forward, whether it works or doesn't work. Do your own work. Check it out. But there's two names that I'm short. I'm short more than two names, but two that I think that make sense for this uh, media. One is a company called Align. It's symbol ALGN. It's a big stock. It trades. They make the plastic shit that goes in your mouth to look good for Snapchat and pictures, the aligner. So back in the 07, 08, 09 gig, when I was in the hedge fund business, we shorted, I think there were nine worldwide publicly traded dental stocks. We were short dental stocks in Switzerland, Stroman, I think, implants, and we were short a line. And the first thing that goes in an economic slowdown. The first thing that people stop spending on is elective dental. That's the first thing that goes. Back then it was teeth whitening. A line was in business. I think we were shorted at 30 back then. I think we covered it at six. It's gone to 300. Now it's call it 180, 200, wherever it is. But the first thing that goes in a slowdown is elective dental. And wherever the numbers are, the earnings estimates on a line, their sales and earnings are way too high, way too high. These guys are going to get their ass handed to them in terms of no business, pricing, competition, et cetera. I don't give a fuck about Smile Director, 
whoever else. That, that's not the story. In a slowdown, the first thing that goes is elective. If I had my ass handed to me in the market to the tune of what it's down, what, 30%, 20%, and I were to come home and Aurora would say, honey, I'm going to go get an aligner to get my teeth straightened so I look better in the Snapchat or the pictures or the Instagram, I'd say, uh-uh. It's just, it's not happening. I, we, we need money for food. We need money for rent, mortgage, and hopefully we go on vacation in the summer. More on that later. But something like a line and discretionary consumer that you don't need is to me the first to go. And the stock's 180, it trades at 20 times EBITDA. The numbers are categorically too high. And I think the stock goes lower. If they end up doing well, then I'm just wrong. But if history you, when you when you when you put a position on something like that in these conditions, how do you play it? Do you do you do you think this is going to go material low? You ignore the whipsawing, or do you have to manage that risk back and forward? How do you how do you actually handle that position once you put it on? Well, I belong in a straitjacket, Grant. I'm I'm yeah, not yeah, I'm true. not like that's I'm true. not like any man out there. So as uh, Ron Popeil would say, with the oven. I'll set it and forget it. I, I, I am there. If they want to carry me out on my chair, they'll carry me out on my chair. If someone buys them, I lose, but I don't think anyone would buy yeah. them. And I think they're honest guys who run this company. And I think they'll say that the business is soft because of the virus. We hope it gets better. They'll say we have no visibility. They'll say we're suspending guidance or this, that, and the other. But wherever the numbers are, they're way too high. And it's a business that I don't think is coming back. I don't think it's coming back. It's a one-trick pony. I think I know some guys in Marin who've invested in a private company that does AI that scans your teeth with a 3D printer. They could make these in a dentist's office. I think this is technology that's been around. I think they have a whale of problems. So I just think it's lower. I'll be patient. I'll sit with it. And I don't give a fuck what the market does. I mean, I'm not a market guy. There's plenty of guys who you talk to who have you on macro and market and this, that, and the other. I gotta, I have to make it on what I think is right or wrong. So I think the numbers in a line are way too high, way too high. So well, what, take, what do you, what do you, obviously with the, with the frauds, with the medics of the world, your view on those is they're going to zero. So you set those and you're waiting for them to get down to yeah. zero. Or, or yeah. go. With something like this, are you waiting for that thesis to play out, the company to announce, and then you'll cover it? They're going to have to come with numbers. I think they're going to take numbers down. They may take numbers down a lot. And depending how honest or not honest or what the balance sheet looks like, I'll do more. I think we're a long way away from this thing meeting its maker. So, you know, I make a lot of mistakes. I try to learn by my mistakes. No one's harder on me than me. I don't need to hear from anyone how dumb I am. I don't need to hear from anyone how smart I am. Because even when I do well, I'm ridiculously hard on myself. So the mistake I made and what I try to learn from is Signet. Right? I was short Signet from 140. And Harvard wrote a business school case about me and Signet about the lending they did to buy this bullshit jewelry. I used to say it was jewelry that was so fake it would make your finger turn green when it would get wet. Um, and I covered the thing at 40. And I thought it was a big win from 130 to 40. But now the stock is six. And, and the easy money was from 40 to six. And I gave up on it. And, and it's too easy sometimes to give up on things. It's too easy for an investor to become a trader. And I'm an investor, and I think I'm damn good at it, and I'm a shit-ass trader. So I don't want that's, to... That's, you know, that's interesting, because obviously you, you know, you, we always hear from long-only guys about letting your winners ride, right? You back your winners, you double up. When they're running, you, you run with them. It's very rare to hear the other side of that. And short sellers, in my experience, you're absolutely right. They get, they get not panicked out, but they, you, there's, a, there's a feeling that you kind of, you, you, you stole one. When, they, when these things go down, you feel like you're almost lucky, even though you've done the work and you expect it to happen. How do you, how do you guard against being taken out of a short early? You have to fight through it. You, you, you have to 
fight through it and you have a mosaic and you test your theory and thesis every day. See, I can't stand the current crowd that shorts something on a Monday, writes some blog or some report on it on a Tuesday and covers a Tuesday afternoon. I have an editorial in the queue somewhere about that kind of behavior because they give guys who really do the work a bad name. I am short names sometimes for three to four years waiting for this stuff to play out. You know, Chanos hangs out in things forever. The great Dave Shelley, who I think is the best short seller that was ever born, hung out in things forever and ever and ever to wait for these things to play out because this is not like instant oatmeal. It's not like instant coffee where all of a sudden something happens. You have to see things through. Valiant just didn't happen in a day. Concordia just didn't happen in a day, nor did HomeCap or Novastar or my medics or MediaVision or California Micro Devices or Sang Labs or Boston Chicken, on and on and on. You have to have patience and you have to have line of sight where you can see things through the end. And these, these stories all have life cycles, beginning, middle, and end. And just because something's down doesn't make it a buy. And just because something's up doesn't make it a short. But on something like a line, if, you know, let's say the stock's eight, 180 and the estimates are eight bucks, they could end up making two bucks, right? Or a buck 60 or a buck 50. Because no one thought Signet, when it was 130 and the estimate was $9.70, would be making 20 cents now with the stock at six. No one, no one saw that. I didn't see it, but you can't get lazy and you have to stay on top of your, your game in figuring it out and where you are on the story. It, is, is that a lost art, you think? Because in this day and age, there is, I mean, it's very hard to find patient people in these markets, right? Everything is, you're getting bombarded. Everybody wants to know where the price is going to be tomorrow. They don't really care about six months, a year hence. Is that a lost art, do you think? Big time. Because everyone now is so interested in making as much money as they can. It's about money. It's about money. It's about money. How do I make money here? Money there, money there. You know what? I have plenty of money. My lifestyle is not big. I own my house. I have cars on and on and on. I take care of my son. He's very well off. But it is about, for me, on some of these things, it's about principle. On a line, I just think it's like going out to catch a big tuna. I think I have a tuna on the line. I think it's all how they want to play the game. If I was managing, if I was running a line, I'd say on the conference call, we sell a very expensive product in a very tough economic environment. Frankly, ladies and gentlemen, we have no clue what revenues look like going forward. It's not because of the virus, it's because of the economy, right? The virus, We'll get fixed one day, but the problem is the consumer is hurting and is hurting for certain. And when they're looking for food and they're looking to pay rent and they're looking for car payments, their teeth and how straight their teeth are for pictures is not their primary concern. Their primary concern when you're waiting in line for four hours to get hamburger helper, right? It's not how straight your teeth are right? It's how you can make it to the next week. So I think a line falls into that. And I'm a patient man. I'm not going to throw bombs at them. I'm not going to put up a website. I'm not going to call them names. I'm just going to sit out there and see how it all goes. But I'm patient. I'll see what happens because I think the economy is headed for, for the shits. And, in, and unless you need certain things, I think it's going to be a problem. Well, let me ask you about another stock that we spoke about in, in that first conversation we had. And it's one that you've been on both sides of, and that's overstock. You know, you, mm -hmm. you were vocal on both sides of this. Yeah. It's been one of those crazy things to follow. I mean, new twists and turns. It's like, it's like a soap opera. Um, just walk us through that story. You're, once you flip from being short to being long, the whole teaser, I think, just walk us through that story. Because a lot of people have asked me to ask you about this. Well, this, this medium isn't even long enough to go through the whole story. Suffice it to say. <laughs> I've got time if you have. I like, good. Then we may go over time. So 
I like to overstock. Stock went, I've got it at 15 because of uh, blockchain, because I thought retail was worth a bundle. 15, talked about it at Grants at 30. Stock went to 90. It then went to as low as two, two and change. It's now kind of five. Patrick, my pal, is, is gone. He started acting crazy. The board removed him. Jonathan Johnson's there. Right now, the stock is, let's say, five. There's 40 million shares out. Five times, 40 times five is 200. They have 160 million in net cash. 160 million. So right now, you're paying 40 for the business. The business is a billion to a billion two, depending how they do, of sales and its various blockchain. The business is doing better. Their margins are significantly better than Wayfair, which keeps losing money, which is capped at six billion all in. They haven't uh, sold any blockchain assets. They're still there. They're still percolating. They hired a new CFO who is top quality. I think they're executing. I think the story is good, but the stock is for shit and no one cares. The legacy of Patrick is starting to dwindle and I like it. I think Wayfair has been less of a problem to them for the last three to four months because Wayfair realizes that they can't keep running losses and the site's good. Um, I like who they have there and I own it. I own a lot of this. I mean, I'm still. Well, this, is, this is this. This is interesting to me because you know I, I I read all the trolls on your Twitter feed and stuff. People give you a, a real hard time about overstock, but you still own it. You're still in it. Your people, whether they're pissed that they lost money in it, whatever it may be, but you talk about that patience, and I know with you it's not just words. You are a patient guy, and with someone yeah. like overstock, you write it up, you write it down, but your your view hasn't changed. What would what would cause you to change your view? Just just a lack of execution by the company? Yeah, I mean, I think right now there's no rhetoric. I think there's no expectations. And um, I think someone's working on a really big story on Overstock, on things. I want to say this right without giving up too much. On the blockchain side, they're in some very big markets and maybe you believe in blockchain, maybe you don't. Maybe you believe it for grain or food or land or stock trading, but they do have something called votes, which is blockchain voting. And some people like it, some people don't like it. But the technology for voting, for voting hasn't changed in probably a hundred years, yeah. right? You know, you either go in and do the hanging chat or, paper ballot or mail-in ballot. In this world with technology, encryption and the whole thing, you would think we could do better than waiting in line for six fucking hours at a polling place or people <laughs> not voting or voting suppression. So they own, they own part of this thing called votes. If votes was publicly traded and the thing worked, what would it be kept at? Three, four billion dollars? If there was a blockchain voting system that worked and was utilized? They're in markets like this, land develop, land titling, grains, uh, how farmers, you know, I could blockchain my eggs, my Asian pears, my apricots, coffee, things like that. The question is, does this, is there applications and is this stuff adaptable, bigger picture? If it is, the stock's a grand slam. I happen to believe in it. I've been wrong. I've said I've been wrong. I've congratulated the guys who've been short. I said, you guys are right. I'm wrong. You don't need to troll me into oblivion. You're right. I'm wrong. You're smart. I'm dumb. If if you're short overstock, congratulations. You're right. I'm wrong. You've done well. But I still own it. I still like it. What can I say? I still believe it. And if I don't believe it and I get out of it, I'll call you up and we'll do another one of these and say I'm out. But you know, Johnson just bought stock, you know, at three. Other people bought stock at three. They're all buying it. So I bought more. I mean, I bought more and I own it. What can I say? I, I like no, no, it. That's, that's, what else is it? Well, I want to move on to another subject that you've been very vocal about, uh, and that's the Canadian real estate market. So 
you know, what, there's been a lot of people asking about that. Just walk us through your your latest thoughts on that. Walk us through some of the aggravation you've had there, because I know, again, it's another extraordinary story. Well, here's what I know that's true. I used to go to Toronto quite often, but I know I'm not welcome there, so I go there rarely now. I'm suing a couple outfits up in Canada, so I'll have to go sooner or later. Every time I go to Toronto, even with my son, I get pulled over in immigration, and we're both interrogated for about 40 minutes. It's a true story. I'm sorry if it gets too long-winded. So they asked me all sorts of questions. They asked my son all sorts of questions. Who packed your bags? Why are you here? Who are you seeing? What do you have? Uh, where are you staying? What's your purpose? On and on and on and on. So one guy, one agent, goes to me after he asked me these questions, and he says, I know who you are. And I said, really? He goes, yeah. He said, I watched you on BNN once, and I owned Concordia, and I sold it. I said, good for you. I said, what'd you sell that? He goes, I sold it at 30. I said, good. It's better than zero. He goes, yeah. I said, can you tell me why I'm being hassled here every time I come into Toronto? So he hits in the computer. He goes, you're like coded B39. I said, what's that? He goes, we need to let you know that we know who you are that we know, that we want you to know, we know you're here, and we want you to know that you're a guest of ours, not the other way around. Right. And I said, who's, at whose suggestion? The finance minister, that fucking Bill Morneau. And I will troll him on Twitter to the day I die, that no good son of a bitch. Because... Instead of letting home cap fail, right, he force-fed Warren Buffett on this sweetheart deal to save this thing and turn it into a zombie bank. And, and I know people who are in the meetings to go over the home cap book, and no one wanted it. Their loans are beyond toxic. They're so bad. Here's an example. Let's just say they have 20, I think, $4 billion in, in book in their loans. They essentially reserved three houses in Toronto as loan loss expense. Three houses of, of 20 plus billion in loans. So these loans are no good. And now that people are getting un losing their jobs in Toronto and the economy is going into shit, there's going to be huge pressure there. And, and it's just a perfect example of zombie banks allowed to zombie on. Instead of taking their medicine, instead of forcing them to raise capital and forcing them to cut their dividends and do things like that, they just keep kicking the can down the road. And I think they're headed to a brick wall. I think it's an absolute disaster. Vancouver's been a disaster. They're cracking down on money laundering. I talk to the attorney general up there quite often. I talk to people in the RCMP quite often. And the, between the money laundering, the mortgage fraud, the lack of economy, the consumer getting or the people getting laid off, it's, it's, it's bad. It's, it's really is, bad. Is there, is there a way to represent that view still? Or I'm not short the big five banks because the big five banks are being controlled by Morneau. I have a hard-on for this home cap. And, and I used to say when I was at, at Grants, the guy who now runs it, his first name is Usury. So any, any subprime CEO whose name is Usury is a, is a hell of a short. And I think HomeCap is, is just is terminal. And, and I can't stand how these guys just keep gaslighting me and doing all sorts of stuff when all they have to do is take a hard look at their loans. The loans are like mud. They can't get out of them and no one would take them. So you might as well pay the piper, but it's, it's a waiting game. But do so, these things get 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 bailed out? Do you think the banks, the home caps? I mean, no, home caps not going to get home caps not going to get bailed out. But I'm willing to bet whatever I have that Warren Buffett will bail out one of the big five banks. That will be the quid pro quo for him getting in home cap. I think when one of their big five banks gets in trouble, I think 
I think the Morneau will go to Warren and say, we cut you a deal on home cap. And by the way, Warren's out of home cap. And I got sick and fucking tired of being called Warren Buffett's mosquito. And I got sick and fucking tired of everyone in Canada saying Warren Buffett's in home cap. You know, he's right, I'm wrong. No, I'm still there. I'm still there. He's not there. And when he made his announcement that he was in it and where the stock first traded at, it's significantly lower. So these, these Canadians, they're big when it goes their way. And the second it goes against them, they're all caspering me. They're all ghosting me. They're nowhere to be found. And then when I bring it up, they say, you're piling on. I said, I'm not piling on, but I keep my receipts, Grant. I keep all of my receipts. And when it's time to pay them back, I take my receipts and say, here we go, right? I have a long memory and I take this shit personally and I take this shit seriously. You know that, don't you, Parker? You know how personally I take this. So, so I, I have a long memory and I stay on my game and I evaluate what I'm doing. But Canada is much worse than it is better. And if you're a macro guy, it wouldn't surprise me if Canadian debt gets downgraded big time in the coming months. It should be downgraded. The place is just a banana republic. And, and Ben Rabideau should replace Morneau. And, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a shit show. Well, let, let me take you back. I've, I've had a bunch of people ask me, and I, I hadn't forgotten, but uh, the, you talked about two names. A line was one of them. What was the other one that you like, you thought was a good short? Is it short? Well, a guy who I think does tremendous research is a guy named Bradley Saffalo, and he writes something, and, and you people watching it should subscribe to him. It's called PAA Research, and it's pleaseactaccordingly.com. I love it. And, and I think Bradley Saffalo is really good. I, I, I have no investment with Bradley Saffalo. I have no money with Bradley Saffalo. Bradley Saffalo doesn't compensate so I just want to make sure I'm not accused of anything underhanded. I'm short a company, and here's a drum roll. It's called Trex, symbol T-R-E-X. And what do they make? They make composite decking, a.k.a. plastic or some, you know, made-for-TV stuff. Again, thing sells about 20 times EBITDA. Earnings estimates are way too high. CEO just retired, resigned. They've been expanding. They just built new plants. They've had bottleneck issues. I think the estimates for Trex are ridiculously too high. Stock's been as low as, I think, 40, been as high as 110. It's about 75. I think Trex is just fucked. I mean, as bad as mattresses are in declines and declines in housing and issues like that, decking is even worse. And I think conceptually it's wonderful. And I think management's not crooked. They run a straight game. Uh, the new guy's stepping in. I think the bar needs to be reset a whole lot lower. Again, it's not a fraud, but conceptually composite decking in this kind of economy that we're gonna see, I think is the last place you wanna be. Competition has been ramping up. It's been a market share gain, you know, the clowns, the, the growth guys who do no work think it's wonderful. I'll take the other side. I think the stock is a lot lower. I think we talk in a year, people will see this trek somewhere between 20 and 30. And Safalo is a nasty, shrewd, hardworking, diligent motherfucker. He is, of the contract research guys out there, my friend Herb Greenberg, he's great, and Vickery's great, but those guys are sissies. Todd Fernandez is wonderful. I think he's really good. But Saflo, to me, is at the top of his game, and I think he's wonderful. And, and he has this report on, on Trex. His last report is, the CEO exits stage right at the worst possible time, more atrocious earnings quality from Trex. So the quality of earnings is terrible. The estimate is, let's say, 275 to 3 bucks. So the stock's very expensive if you believe the numbers. I don't believe the numbers. I think the numbers come way down. And again, it's set it and forget it. If you think the economy is booming and the consumer is going to go like crazy, knock yourself out and, and you'll be okay. But Tempur-Pedics has gone from 90 to 30. Select Comfort or whatever they call themselves, sleep numbers gone 50 to 15. I think Trex is 
cooked. Well, well, let me ask you this, because you're obviously, you're not focused on the frauds now, right? You think, as you said, that they're, they're going to take care of themselves. So you're looking at overvaluation. And I mean, look, if that's your, if that's your target, right, there is overvaluation everywhere. And what, what makes you step into something like Trex or something like Align and makes you stay on the sidelines with Tesla? Because I know that's something you've been paying interest in, but you said often, um, I, I think it's a complete load of garbage, but I'm staying out. So just talk me through that process that makes you jump into one and stay out the other? What do you wait for in something like a Tesla, for example? That's a good question. I said, uh, you know, Tesla, Jaguar in the tree, this, that, and the other. Elon Musk is crazy, you know. His, one of his lawyers is my lawyer, um, Fred Norton. And there's very smart guys who are in Tesla, short Tesla. Chanos is smart as shit, so is Einhorn, so is that nutcase Spiegel. I mean, Spiegel, you talk about a guy who belongs in a straitjacket. He's one of them. I mean, the smartest of the smart are short Tesla, but it's not for me, right? I will pick on guys who are weak. I will pick on guys who are dealt a really bad hand. I'll pick on guys who don't have a pie-in-the-sky story. I'll pick on guys who are unanalyzable. I want nothing to do with Elon Musk. He's a waste of my time. I mean, I think he's a complete clown. I think he's a lowlife. He's a scumbag. He doesn't give a shit. He's, he's enabled. No one can stop him. The government's scared of him. The government, you know, if the government can't enforce my medics, they're sure not going to enforce Tesla. You got yeah, his great blabbering idiot, Phil LeBeau on Cartoon Network, just constantly sucking up to him. You got that slack jawed Carrie Wood or whoever just saying it's worth 4,000. You got Ron Bear. I just, I just don't need the fight. I I'm, I'm old, I'm experienced, I'm nasty as fuck, and I'm mean as hell when you cross me, but I don't need the Tesla fight. I'll just, I'll just put my chips down on a line, I'll put my chips down on tracks, and, and I'll go with it from there. But I do have some longs though, Grant. I, am, I do have things that I can find that are constructive here. All right, well, let's hear it. So I think this one's pretty good, and I like this one a lot. So this summer, you know, people work, in my mind, to live, eat, fuck, take care of their kids, and have a vacation. So this summer, here's what you're not going to be doing. You're not going on an Alaskan cruise. You're not going to Europe. You're not going to Asia. Your kids aren't going to camp. You're not going to the Wisconsin State Fair, the Walworth County Fair. You're not going to see the Milwaukee Brewers. You're not going to see the Oakland A's. What are you going to do? In my mind, this is going to be the time, and this is going to be the summer, and this is going to bring in the era of camping. And, and I have bought a lot of something called Camping World, symbol CWH. It's about a $5 stock. <coughs> it's down from 47. Do a lot of sales. Highly leveraged. Their balance sheet looks like shit. They have plenty of liquidity, but they have debt. But my friend David Abrams owns like 16% of it. And he's a, he's a smart ass man. And, and he's a very, very good investor. He owns a lot of this. And when I saw this thing get hit, I said, what's going on with Camping World? And he told me the story. And yeah, they're hurt by the coronavirus because people have to shelter in place and they're not going to go out and buy RVs. But Camping World is a lot more than RVs. They have a club, they have insurance, they got financing, they sell stuff. But when this opens up, when people are let out of their cages, when they're able to go out, I think this is going to be the summer and it's going to be the era of people camping because you're not going to be able to do anything else. You're not going to be able to send your kids to summer school or send them away or do this. You're going to go camping. And when the dam breaks and people are let out of their homes, I think the guy who runs it, this Marcus Lemonis character, I think he's going to kick ass and take names. He owns a ton of the stock. I printed something up and this is what caught my attention. In this era of all these insiders selling, 
in the month of March, a director bought 4,500, 20,000. Marcus Limonis himself bought 100,000 at 630. Stephen Adams bought 15,000 at eight. The CFO bought 22,000 at 10. Marcus Limonis bought 50,000 at 11. Marcus Limonis bought 50,000 at 11. The president bought 10,000 at 11. These guys are all buying stock post-corona, and now the stock's five. So I think it's something that can just go way up. And he has 150 stores. The next closest competitor has 20. And I think if you're a mom pond this in this environment, I think you you throw in the keys. So I like this thing. I think there's huge optionality in it. If it doesn't work, it goes to two, three, or four, and Abrams and his buddies do a preferred preferred with them. But you know, the stock was just 17 before this thing. And and I think I'm getting it on the cheap, and I'm a patient man, and and I believe in this camping concept. Not only that. As you know, my wife is a serious germaphobe, serious. And, and she'll only, we, we have a sprinter van and we'll get something else. She doesn't want to get in a plane anymore. She doesn't want to stay in a hotel anymore. So west of the Mississippi, we'll just get in the van and go. Because as people get used to this distant socialing and quarantine and things like that, they'll say, I just don't want to risk being with people in a plane, in a hotel, because I may get sick. I'm 60. If I get sick with this shit, I don't want to die being on a plane, going to see my pal in New Orleans. So I think it's going to be something you can do with your family camp. I think it's going to, this virus thing is going to change the way people behave and act. Most people say play Zoom. No, these, these campers or RVs or whatever, you can rent one, you can buy one, you can do one used. I, I think things are going to change. I think it's going to be a big macro trend, and, and I like this thing a lot. I also own Thor. So I think that's I think that thing makes sense. Thor. Thor, T-H-O. They, they make these things. They make things like the Airstream. So yeah, okay. I mean, camping world's the risky play, and I like living on the edge, and Thor is for conservative guys like yourself. And, <laughs> right. And, and, and also... I mean, this is an interesting story because I am flexible of mind. I used to be arch enemies with this guy named Jeff Osher. He was long stamps and short stamps. And he just absolutely like put an ax in my forehead, you know, through hook or crook. He made a fortune and I at one point lost a pile. And I'm telling you, I lost a pile. So let's just say at one point, you know, I shorted this thing at 110 and he was long it. And he was just a dastardly rat bastard on this thing. It went from 110 to like 300 and some odd. And I got destroyed, right? Just destroyed. And I was vocal on this thing. I got killed. So I got out of it. I licked my wounds. I took my tax loss. And I said, this thing is going to blow up. I know it's going to blow up. So I got back in the thing. And at one point, I was down six units. I came back and I made seven. So I ended up my stamps legacy up one unit. And that to me was like the best thing I've done in 10 years because I took a huge disaster and turned it into a plus. So somewhere along the line, and I was just ragging on Osher big time. He calls me up and he says, can we just like be friends and like bury the hatchet and let's like work together instead of working with each other? It's no fun going against you. It's a bad, bad, bad thing. And I said, I get it. I'm sorry if I said anything wrong to piss you off, but I purposely wanted to stir him up. But let's corroborate. Let's, let's swap lies. So three, four years ago, he bought a ton of stock in something called Green Dot, symbol G-D-O-T, and it was like 16 bucks. And the management there couldn't touch their ass with their hands and did a proxy fight, he lost, but he became a board advisor and he advocated for change. Stock went from 15 to 90, 15 to 90. And he owned a ton of it and he sold it all. 
And I was sort of like watching this thing. And I said, that's just fucking impressive. So the management fucked it up again. And the guy who fucked it up got his ass thrown out. And I'm talking to Osher and he says, you should really look at this green dot. And I said, you think so? He goes, yeah, you know, this thing has potential. So I started buying it and he bought more. And I look at this thing and I like it a lot. I like it a lot because they're in two businesses. They do the back office. They call it BAAS instead of software as a service. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is banking as a service. They do all the rails behind PayPal and Apple Pay and all these things. And these things sell big valuations. They also have the, a money card and they do that kind of banking with, they bank the unbanked and Walmart's their partner. And there's a lot of potential here. <clears throat> so they throw out the main guy, Osher owns stock. All of a sudden, Osher goes on the board. Right now, Osher's not talking to me about Green Dot because he's on the board. And they bring in this guy named Dan Henry to run the thing. And Dan Henry is just a diligent, hardworking, results, nasty, motherfucker kind of guy. He only cares about getting the job done, winning the race, things like that. And he's incentivized on stock price. He has a lot of options, you know, at 25, 35, 45, 55. And he sold companies in this space before. So they don't, I don't think they're bringing Dan Henry in to win the NASCAR series. I think they're bringing Dan Henry in to win the race. I think he's going to spruce this thing up, clean it up, fix it up. And I think he's going to sell it to somebody. So it's, I don't know, 22, 3, 4, 5, whatever. So that's something I like, down from 90. So everything I like is down a lot. Everything yeah. I'd be short is up a lot. And, and I, I like balance. And I think that as this market meanders through, it's going to really become the golden age of long, short managers. This is going to be a defining period in the next five years throw out all that risk parity bullshit and that fake Dalio and, and all these guys with their ham and agar renaissance, all these guys trying to run in front of trades. Forget all that. This is going to be back to the old school Jeff Ubbin kind of market where if you're a long guy, I think you can make it. If you're a short guy, I think you can make it. If you're a long short guy like Einhorn, I think you can make it. But this is going to be something that's going to test people's metal, and it's going to separate the men from the boys and the women from the girls, and the, it's going to expose the frauds and the whole bit. I mean, everything's going to come out in this stressful period. Parker's going to go to prison. Hopefully, Joe Sarad Bloomberg gets fired when he's exposed for what he is, the lazy-ass incompetent thing he is. And, and it's going to get real real fast because there is going to be life after this virus. There are going to be bailouts, sadly. Hopefully private equity gets exposed. And hopefully this leverage unwinds. It needs to unwind to make things better going forward. There don't, oh, that, there, feels, that feels like it's happening. That feels like it's happening now anyway. That, that but there don't, need to, there, don't, there don't need to be three, four times ETFs. You don't need that. No, I, you I don't, completely you agree. Don't, you don't need hedge funds long 10x with Goldman. My pal Chris Hansen, who I've known forever, he runs Valiant, he's up 35% in the quarter. And he's just a hard-nosed guy who does things the right way without leverage. 35% unleveraged to me is outstanding. Why do you need leverage in a 2 and 20 business? Why does Apollo and Blackstone and Carla, why do these guys need excessive leverage? Well, look, the 2 and 20 guys needed the leverage because there was no volatility, right? They're not going to make any money. Well, sure, 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 you can make money, but it requires doing the work and taking the risk and trying to figure things out. There's plenty of trades that make a lot of money. 
there's buy and hold can make money, but you have to be able to take the risk and put it on the line for it to happen, yeah. I think. Listen, let me ask you two quick questions uh, from the stream before we, before we go. First one is um, your thoughts on uh, private business jets, Bombardier, Gulfstream, those guys. Do you have any thoughts on those? No. I think, no, I think well, Warren Buffett's NetJets, Bombardier should be nationalized in Canada. I, I, I have no clue on private jets. The last one I was on was with Ubbin. I fly commercial, but now I'll be RVing. Yeah, right. Uh, at least I won't be taking the Greyhound like Nocera will be. Um, <laughs> eating at the, eating at the Jersey Mike's right Um I think I'll come with an alternative view here. I think Warren Buffett has some problems. I think he has some real problems on the insurance and reinsurance side. And I think that's why he's been so quiet. I think he's, he, the guy takes inordinate risk for his folksy Omaha demeanor. And, yeah. and I would not want to be in the reinsurance side of the business that he's in. And, but, but he's also sitting on 130 odd billion of cash, right? I get it. But I, th I have a feeling he may need some of that if some of this insurance stuff goes, goes under. Plus, he's an old man. And I think his marbles aren't as put together as they once were. And I feel like I'm an old man and I'm at 60. And there's a big difference between doing this at 60, then 50, then 40, and 30. Yeah, and, that cat's, and, and that cat's 90. And I think the guys who he's brought with him aren't nearly as good as he was. So, so I mean, he's in net jets. He's in precision cast parts, which has to be hurting big time. I mean, Seas Candies isn't selling to anybody. And uh, I think the insurance business right now is absolutely treacherous. But private jets, I mean, those guys shouldn't get a bailout either. No. I mean, I mean I, 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 let's say I've been around for six years. How many times has United, U.S. Air, American Air, America West, People's Express, Air Florida, Eastern Airlines, all these guys have been bankrupt many times over. And last I look, when you're an airline and you declare bankruptcy, you keep flying. Yeah, that's exactly you, right. You, you, that's exactly you, right. You, you don't need a bailout. In this bailout culture, you know, everyone says, well, there's no moral hazard, just save the system. That's what everyone said the last time, but no one did anything to make changes so it doesn't happen again and again and again. And I respect the hell out of Fleckenstein. I respect the hell out of Hempton. I respect the hell out of some people who I don't want to name so they're not trolled or hassled, but those boys can take care of themselves. The problem is, is you create more and more and more zombies and everyone says, V recovery, buy the dip. Cartoon Network says, is the bottom in? Who gives a shit if the bottom is in? Just figure out what you should buy, what you shouldn't buy, Who's playing the straight game? Who's telling the truth and who's not? And don't bail out billionaires, right? Because if you're able to take outside risk when things are going up, you should pay a heavy price when you bet wrong and you lose. Yeah, you should. I'm into that. Yeah, I'm I mean, into that, that. I mean, that's, that's the way it should be. And I encourage, and you know, I hope you send this around to the mainstream media, I mean, people at the Times, people at the Journal, people at the networks, they should, you know, when those clowns at Apollo and that Leon Black with his art collection and all his bullshit, when they come around saying, we need a bailout, the economy is not working, this, that, and the other, fuck you guys. You guys put your so-called dry powder on the line, put it on the line in your crap-ass deals, and go from there. And if they're not good, mark them down or don't take fees like everyone else. Yeah. I mean, when Goldman did me in, I didn't ask for a bailout. I mean, I just said, it is what it is. This just absolutely sucks. No one gives a shit about bailing my ass out, right? No one gives a crap about bailing Tillman Fertitta's ass out. I mean, I think the guy's despicable, but at least he's going about it the right way. Carnival Cruise goes about it the right way. The market is open to do business. You may not like the rate, 
You may not like the price, but it's open to do business. So you guys aren't entitled. You know, Schwarzman, quit giving the state of New York $10 million when you're worth $15 billion. What you should do is give the state of New York a billion, give them 10% of your wealth to make things right. Then I'll play my violin for you. Don't get on the Cartoon Network. Say you're giving the state of New York $10 million like you're some, you know, like you're some secret Santa, right? As you fire people and gut out all these hospitals, screw that. Play it like everyone else. And that, I think, would be a good thing to learn from this cycle. Because if people are allowed to get away with this thing, you know, who, who knows what eventually stops it? Who, who knows? Well, I mean, people have been allowed to get away from this thing for, for a long time. And, you know, there aren't, there aren't many guys out there like you who are willing to speak truth to power. You know, I, I have my, my medic's number plate that you gave me last time we saw each other with, with that phrase on the back. And it's so true, Mark. You know, I mean, I've come to know you not just as a character on the TV, but as a man. Um, and, and this is not talk. You live your life the way you talk. And kudos to you for doing that in, in times like this. Because it's tough. It's tough to stay the course. Well, what I, what I will say <clears throat> is I don't know what inning we're in with my medics, but in the next few days and at most a week, I am coming with an absolute fireball. I am coming with a fireball, not because I want to, because I have to, because this bullshit has to stop and people have to be exposed like the great Senator Johnny Isaacson and the FBI and all these people who've concocted whatever story they want. It is all gonna come home to roost. I promise you, I promise you, it will come home to roost. All right, buddy, well, look, we, we, we began with my medics and our friend there to your left, uh, we'll end that way. We've gone over time, listen, as always, I, I love this time we get to spend together. I'm so glad other people got to listen over my shoulder again today. Thank you for everything you do. And thanks for, for, for this last hour and 10 minutes. It's been extraordinary. Grant, you are the best. I will do this with you anytime, anywhere, anyhow. And I and I will bring my man with me who will... There we who go. Will, this guy in bronze will outlive and outlast both of us. But <laughs> I appreciate right, it, Grant. Man. Now you stay safe and stay healthy. And you too. Take care of yourself. look forward to doing this we'll again. See you soon. Thanks again. You got it. Take care, buddy. Bye. Bye.